Hello, I'm Jay, an arts manager, educator, writer, musician, and professional daydreamer. And I'm Miguel, a musician, arts administrator, educator, and lover of all things nerdy. And this is Play Black, a podcast dedicated to nerddom, reviews, and hot takes on arts and culture and the human experience from the perspective of two melanated artists. What's up, Miguel? Oh, chilling. Just trying to enjoy some weird time off. What, okay. what, what, what is that? What is, how, how, how does that work? How'd that happen? Well, I finally finished my degree. So we're, we're, we threw it. It's done. It's over. Look at God. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? God didn't do nothing. I did that shit. <laughs> you heard that, Lord? He said it ain't you. Please don't him. Me. Amen. Please do not spite Ooh. me. Uh, how you doing, Jess? I'm doing all right. Listen, my life is a a whirlwind. Um, oh. But there's been a lot of good on that whirlwind. So... Uh, you know, taking the the whirlwind. I've never pronounced my WHs as hard as today. Um, as as much as I can. I'm gonna give give the whirlwind a whirl, as it were. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Mm, it's a good, pun. Good. It's what the kids call a pun. What are we talking about today? So today we are giving our deeper thoughts on Doctor Strange, reacting mm. to the Doctor Who news, and oh, yeah. talking about this anime's biggest hit during the "You Should Be Watching" section. Sure. Okay. Okay. So before we get into the good stuff, because I think that overall today's episode is going to be good. It's going to be fun. We're talking about good stuff. It's going to be a lot of positive. Mm-hmm. I just I I quickly want to rant a little, if I may. Yep. Um, so there's some news that's come out recently, specifically around, um, the Percy Jackson series. So it was a very popular novel series, um, that went on to become a not well-received movie series, um, that had no input from the author, essentially, uh, aged up the actors a whole lot of mess. And so fans were very excited to learn that, uh... Disney Plus was kind of building its first independent franchise out of those books, and it's coming as a series. And people were excited for the long, long-form storytelling of it all. They're like, yes, this makes sense. And Rick Riordan, the author, is heavily involved, as is his wife. He's an executive mm-hmm. producer, and he's involved at every level. And he's the one that's actually been sharing the news. Cool. So uh, not too long ago, uh, the Percy Jackson was cast. Um, and it's the little boy from um, uh, the Adam Project. Um, oh wow, he was really good in that. Yeah, so a lot of people yeah. were like, "Oh my god, okay, this is good." He's the appropriate age. He showed some acting chops. We feel good about this. And they recently then uh, kind of built out the rest of the core trio, specifically Annabeth and Grover. Uh, Annabeth um, being a daughter of Athena, um, and Grover being a helpful satyr. And Grover, I believe, is an Indian-American boy, and Annabeth is African-American. And she's only been portrayed as white in the films and was written as white in the books. Now, of course, because racists going racist, they go, wait a minute, excuse me, um, in this completely fantastical made-up world, somebody was white, and now they black, and no, that can't happen. Like, this is a woke agenda. Blah, blah, blah. They're just it's the racist racists. Did. Yeah, yeah. You're right, right. 
And listen, Rick Riordan, Uncle Rick, he had he had some strong words. Um, well, I'm actually I'm gonna find it right now. So let me let me find it real quick because I don't want to put words in his mouth. And again, we're always trying to be on our um, journalistic duties. Right. You know what I mean? Cause we're, yeah, no, because we're respected journalists. We are well respected Emmy and Peabody Award winning. Um, journalists so yeah. don't fact check that don't don't that's our job <laughs> let us do that for you yeah right because okay. we're, the, we're the fact checkers right so leah jeffries is the name of the the black girl who is cast in this role um she looks very talented she has a resume it's not her first gig overall the their response to her has been overwhelmingly positive and joyous um but there were some people who came against it and he said you were either not aware or have dismissed Leah's work years of hard work honing her craft her talent her tenacity her focus her screen presence you refuse to believe her selection could have been based on merit without having seen her play the part you have prejudged her pre plus judge equals prejudice and decided that she must have been hired simply to fill a quota or tick a diversity box and by the way these criticisms have come from across the political spectrum right and left Mm. Um, if you have a problem with this casting, take it up with me. You have no one else to blame. Whatever else you take from this post, we should be able to agree that bullying and harassing a child online is inexcusably wrong. As strong as Leah is, as much as we have discussed the potential for this kind of reaction and the intense pressure this role will bring, the negative comments she has received online are out of line. They need to stop now. Lastly, he says, once you see Leah as Annabeth, she will become exactly the way you imagine Annabeth, assuming you give her that chance, but you refuse to credit that this may be true. You are judging her appropriateness for this role solely and exclusively on how she looks. She is a black girl playing someone who was described in the books as white. Friends, that is racism. So he didn't, he didn't, he didn't mince his words, okay? Uncle Rick was... Um, Colin Spade Spades and was just like, how fucked are all of you for being racist against a child? Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because of her talent, which you have not taken into consideration. You haven't seen At her all. do shit. And just right. on the nature of her skin, you have made all of these decisions and have all of this uproar. Another similar situation happened because uh, the first few images for the upcoming Sandman uh, television show on Netflix came out. And again, right. the author of the original uh, comics, Neil Gaiman, uh, has been heavily involved in the production. And uh, while we had known this before, this was the first time we saw an image of Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer in the series um, and in most mythology has been male. And Gwendolyn Christie does not identify as such. And so there was another uproar in which, again, right. Neil Gaiman had to step in. And as I was seeing these authors step in, and I was watching people fight these authors, Miguel, I said, how are you going to fight the people who made the thing? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, I was like, make it make sense, Jesus. Like, how are you going to tell me about me, son? Like, I don't... <laughs> literally. Literally. And honestly, it was just this weird affirmation of this culture of entitlement that becomes really toxic, particularly online, where all of a sudden people think that they just have a right, that their opinions matter more than others. And I think it gets a little bit more nuanced in the context of 
a creator and the things they create and the fandom and the people who take it in. Uh, but yeah, you have toxic fans. And I, I think the question I want to ask you is this. Mm. A creator needs an audience. And sure. at some point, the audience feels a sense of ownership over the work. How do you feel about that dynamic? And at the end of the day, you know, if the fans say we want something or something should be this way, positive or negative, where do you think that lives in that relationship between the created thing, the creator of the thing, and the people who receive and love the thing and make it successful or not? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, I think the like the marquee example right now is uh, J.K. Rowling. Mm. Right on the on on the other end of it, right? Like um, we all, th- those of us who grew up in the '90s and early 2000s, Harry Potter was the thing. It was, it, it, and uh, we all have relationships with those with those characters. And um, her views and some of the questionable things that were coming out in uh, the story, and also in, in the depiction of certain individuals. Um, in the in the movies, uh, goblins, for example, uh, being a uh, mm-hmm. slur and hateful way of referring to Jewish people, that that kind of stuff. Like we've all divorced ourselves from her views, but still have relationships to those characters. All that to say, I think it is totally legit for. Um, people have their own opinions on properties. What is never okay is to harass, to malign someone for the color of their skin and not even take into account who they are as a human being. And uh, in this case, as an actor. So it's, I I don't, it's, I kind of believe in death of the author. Like we all have our own opinions and, feelings on on the characters that we take in and the stories that we take in mm-hmm. and obviously the author mm-hmm. created the world and you should respect what they created but at the same time as consumers of this stuff we have our own agency and can can, can kind of interpret it how we want do you think that an audience member should be able to influence the creative thing itself. So what you're talking about, yes, divorcing the creator from the work and then still appreciating the work is one thing. But now the other piece is what if Rick were to listen right to that and say, okay, yes, I want to hold it up because of whatever, or, you know, there are a lot of toxic fans who get mad when authors kill off people. Right. And so like, sure, 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 sure. When it comes to that element of it, what are you, what are you thinking there? Um, I leave it completely up to the author. Uh, like I, I would, I would rather they, they not honestly, I'd, I'd rather them have enough of a vision to be able to do their own thing. Um, and mm-hmm. come out, come out on the other side of it without any sort of, uh, pressure uh, from fandom. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I feel like George is, uh, George, George R. R. Martin after, uh, mm-hmm. receiving the, the, the kind of feedback, from the end of Game of Thrones season eight, I'm sure he's at least thinking about how to tweak the ending of Game of Thrones if mm. we ever do see it, right? Mm. So, like, I, mm. I think it's mm-hmm. it's uh, case by case. I pre- preferably mm. would say I don't like that. Um, mm. I would rather the author stick with their vision no matter what. Um, I think the work has more integrity that way. How do you feel about it? Um, I'm I'm gonna get really artisty in a way that I don't get. 
right? Um, oh boy. Because I think for mostly, I'm I have my business mind and my arts admin mind. I don't like to be all hoity-toity, feelingsy artist. But let me say this, yep. and I might have said this on the podcast before. There are some people who approach art, um, in a way that like a sculpture approaches a piece of marble, and there are some sculptors who say. I have a vision in my mind that I'm going to impose onto this marble and I'm going to chip away at the excess until it becomes what I see in my mind. And there are other artists that say, this marble is here and I'm going to chip away until I find the thing inside of it that has always been there. When I create, I feel every time that I'm trying or I'm being intentional or I'm planning something, it is inauthentic. Mm -hmm. The times that it is best is when I become a conduit for the thing in my mind already exists. Like to me, the stories that I'm trying to tell are already finished and formed. And I'm just trying to like decipher and hear and translate them correctly. So they come here, meaning Mm. that you can't tell me shit. Okay. I don't answer (laughs) to you. I answer to the universe. And I want to be really clear. The universe has told me that I am to be the guide of this story into this world. I don't need Robert 66544 out in Oklahoma telling me who was should, shouldn't be shouldn't. Okay. So I just want to say, you know, before I write these stories and, you know, you love them because you should, I appreciate an advanced love. I appreciate an advanced critique even in my skill, again, of translating that thing that exists in whatever great beyond our artistic ideas come from. But what I will not tolerate is people feeling like they are entitled to tell me what the story right. should be. If, if you believe that, write it yourself. Write that story. But you don't get to write mine. You don't get to be the hand guiding my pen. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't play with me. No, I, I, no when, you, when, you put, when you put it like that, no, I don't think there's any arguing. Like, it's, it's, it's not about whether people can have opinions on the story. It's whether they're mm-hmm. entitled to... Mm-hmm. The, to, to the story itself right um mm-hmm. to changing the story themselves rather so no I, I i completely agree with what you're saying write a fanfic write an alternate fic whatever it is leave me and my things alone okay oh oh there's there's a sound up oh, that sound means that we have some breaking blurred news up oh, okay uh miguel what have we got coming in hola es univisi oh sorry um that's the that's the change, wrong. change your filter. Yes, you have the, the yeah, language filter the wrong, on the wrong setting. Right, hold on. Um, Get it together, yeah. Thanks, Jay. First up, in a correction from our earlier reporting, James Hong has now indeed finally received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame just last week on Tuesday, May 10th. Boasting over 700 credits, at 93, Hong is the oldest actor to receive the honor. Amazing and well-deserved. <laughs> In news that may surprise some, but not industry insiders like ourselves, Daredevil has received a series order at Disney+. Plus. More details to come. In other news, a slew of trailers and premiere dates have dropped, making this spring and summer season to look forward to. Stranger Things uh, is coming out on May 27th, so soon, Part, uh, part with Part 1, July wow. 1st for Part 2. Miss Marvel, June 8th. Mm. Right around the corner. Umbrella Academy, June 22nd. Again, right around the corner. She-Hulk, August 27th. And the trailer just dropped for both She-Hulk, Umbrella Academy, and Stranger Things uh, in the last three days. Yeah. 
and Ms. Marvel recently as well. How are you feeling about all these new properties coming out there, Miguel? <laughs> oh, I'm just... Just. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you overwhelmed there a little bit? I get it. I get it. Uh, during Upfront's week... There's a lot going on, and even more now uh, during Upfront's week, Marvel producer and general Kevin Feige confirmed that Suket Wars, the TV show starring one Samuel L. Jackson, will take place during the five-year blip. Huh? Yeah? Yeah? Ooh. And lastly, in anime news, uh, from Makoto Shinkai, acclaimed director of modern classics Your Name and Weathering With You... Uh, He's set to release his next film entitled Suzume no Tojimari in the fall of this year. Crunchyroll will debut it for American audiences in early 2023. Uh, The film's plot is described as the following. On the other side of the door was time in its entirety. Suzume no Tojimari is a coming-of-age story for the 17-year-old protagonist Suzume, set in various disaster-stricken locations across Japan where she must close the doors, causing devastation. Uh, I I can't wait to see that one. How about you, Miguel? I'm just bemused. I I, I, I can't even. Wow. Wow. So yeah. much happening. So much news. Huh? What a great time to be a nerd. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. And that's it for Breaking Blurred News. We'll meet you back here yeah. in a moment for The Play Black. And we're back uh, with the Play Black. Today we're covering uh, Doctor Strange, uh, giving our deeper thoughts. Uh, we did a quick take reaction last week. We hope you all really enjoyed it because it was a lot of fun for us. Um, Jay, Doctor Strange, did it hold up after uh, a week, week and a half of j- digestion? How do you feel about it? After it settled in my bones, I got to say I keep wanting to, spoiler alert, Spoiler alert. I keep wanting to rewatch Wanda murder the Illuminati. Yeah. Like, I just want to watch that scene again. You know what I mean? Um, Yes. And I'm living for Wanda. I will say a couple updates since we last spoke. I know that one thing I said was I wanted to see Loki's... um, uh, the consequences of Loki's actions in this film. And I think mm. I, I kind of forgot that in Loki, until Sylvie did what she did, there was no multiverse anymore. The multiverse didn't exist. It had right. existed, um, and it stopped. And once she did that, they began to exist again. So the whole plot of this movie couldn't have existed without Loki's thing. Same thing with Spider-Man. So I feel like... Right. You know, we forgot that that detail a little bit. So that um, uh, <clears throat> and I've really been thinking mostly about Wanda's journey, um, because for me, yes. this is basically Wanda's movie. Like it's not Stephen was there. America was there. It's about Wanda um, and really feeling like if her journey was earned and, you know, 
I think if there had been a little bit more intention paid to just communicating around Wanda's um, pain, I think there is a way to justify it. You know, I was uh, I, I rewatched a little clip of WandaVision where she was talking to Vision about her grief and she was like, it comes mm. in waves that threaten to drown me. And just when I get up again, just when I think it's over, there's a fresh wave that comes. And it's just like, you know, I think some of us thought that this had really resolved itself, that Wanda had made peace with the loss of her family. And I think right. if we continue to think as grief being an unending process that has waves and we see that for Wanda, this was a continuous thing. And again, we see that Wanda has a history of having negative responses to her traumatic experiences. And even I would say even further than negative responses, villainous responses to traumatic experiences. Yes. Um, right. I think it would have felt more earned. And so I feel like there were pieces there that they could have had, um, but they just did not do a good job, I feel, of of justifying that, particularly in the light of the last time we saw her having been like, okay, I feel it. I'm sorry. I'm going to be better. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think they tried to, like, deus ex, ex machina it with the Darkhold, right? Like, they were just like, the Darkhold is yeah, the reason right. why mm-hmm. um, she's taking it this far. That's why. Um, mm-hmm. But that, yeah, but that also mm-hmm. wasn't that clear, right? Like, there were little things like right. uh, she had black on her fingers, like kind of like Agatha did fingertips, uh, after yeah. handling the dark hold, all of it, you know, mm-hmm. like I, she wasn't herself uh, to, to a certain degree, but that had almost no connection to uh, the kind of uh, really like nice resting point we were at, at the end of WandaVision uh, with her character. And also, mm-hmm. For uh, I don't disagree with you that this is definitely more Wanda's movie than um, Doctor Strange, but mm-hmm. within that, like, where's Vision? Like, how how come in every single one of these alternate universes there wasn't mm-hmm. a Vision, even though uh, mm-hmm. Billy and Tommy were just like uh, creations of her mind um, during WandaVision, right? So, like. And this is gonna be extreme, but like, she could go to Radio Shack and get a new vision. You know what I mean? Like, he is much more comebackable than right. these children. No, right. You don't gotta cross the multiverse. You just gotta find a really good mechanic. She could go to Wakanda and get him built again. That's you know what, what I mean? Like, she's expressing. Sure, we could do the, something, right? So, she's, I don't know. she's expressing all this grief about her kids, and I'm, I know she just went through this whole journey in Wandavision. But if grief is this, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like mm-hmm. constant uh, collapsing wave. You're gonna be feeling some stuff, your husband as well. You literally created a whole town <laughs> because of, your, of, of of the grief of your husband, and you're not even gonna mention him when you're looking for his no. kids. That you're, you're right. both of your kids. Like I, I don't know. Um, no. So it's it's just a little sloppy. What I will say is Elizabeth Olsen's performance almost makes it. I mean, she's she's amazing. Like fine. Like I didn't have a lot of these feelings until. Yeah after the movie and I sat with it for a while because during mm-hmm. it, her performance mm-hmm. is fantastic. She yeah. kind of upstages yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. And yes. it's like, it. We, I don't think we've seen Benedict Cumberbatch actually 
perform at the, at the height of who he is uh, as an actor. I've uh, seen him Saki in Sherlock. Strange. I know what he is capable of. Right. Yeah, and he is not having to give his Sherlock range here in, in Doctor Strange. And the way that, and you know, people can say it's because it's a comic book movie, but again, one, Elizabeth Olsen, and two, we have seen these Oscar-winning brilliant actors right. stretched in these roles. Right. And not him yet. Yeah, hopefully yet. And, you know, I, I there was some reporting, I want to say, w- during the production of this movie uh, in which Cumberbatch was saying, like, he was wrestling with whether he had or the character of Steven had an arc in this movie, mm. which is uh, not a good place to be when you're the main character not at all. <laughs> of a film. And he didn't bring that up with somebody? Uh, right. Um, and I, I personally, I do think that um, he had an arc um, and that there was mm-hmm. enough connective tissue there for uh, us to see that he had changed from the, the Doctor Strange we saw at the beginning of the film. I think that's true. I think the question of whether he was happy or how he could find happiness or get over Christine was answered. You know what I would have actually loved? Um, Was more talk about how the death of his sister um, and his inability to save her made him a repressed person who needed to be in control of all situations. Like, like, that was was li- this the first time we heard about his sister, it was or li- had we heard about her? before? I'm pretty sure it's literally the first time, and it was like I thought I missed something. I okay. I th- it's I think it, three lines of dialogue are supposed to give us like an, an a really deep inner look into into, into Stephen Strange. Listen, show don't tell. Like at the beginning of the movie, yeah. show us Stephen not being able to save his sister. He's been having nightmares. The setup is right there. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's. I, it sounds like we hated this movie. I don't think we did. Uh, I I I enjoyed myself no. in the theaters. It was it was fun. Um, that musical fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't. I don't know, man. Like, it, it was. Ha- I've decided I like it. Okay. Why do you like it? Mm-hmm. Why Why do you like it? I I thought it was creative. I I love. Um, when people use magic in ways that yeah speak to their creativity and are so in the moment you know what i mean cuz like i said i feel like i might have said this last time you know we've seen steven studying so we know that like they're mostly a spell based magic system but to right. see moments like that where it was clearly improvisation and really right. responding to the thing around them, I was like, okay, I really like this. I think it did read a little cheesy, um, but I've decided I like it. I think another thing that we haven't really talked about really quickly, though, what was mm. up with that CGI? There was some really bad CGI in this movie. I don't know. Like, sometimes Marvel films just go out, uh, like, 95% done. Like, straight up... Yeah. I, I finally got around to finishing Black Widow. I know, I know. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not even judging you. No, nah, I know, but the they listeners will, might. But not me. <laughs> um, but uh, we were we were watching some of the CG, and it was like, what? You're literally Disney Marvel literally owns everything and has more money than most countries. Everything. Like, y'all got money. How are you gonna put out something half-assed? I like. I don't. I don't know. That's. Yeah. I I I I'm like not, the end of Black Panther. 
Right. Like the, the Eric uh, Killmonger fight at the end was a CGI mess. Mm-hmm. No one wants to talk about that because Black Panther, like overall, is an amazing film. But like yeah. the climax, which is supposed to be the um, action climax, is absolutely a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trash. No. Absolute trash. Absolute trash. Um, I didn't dislike the musical fight. I'll say that. There were a couple of things in this film that I'd just never seen before. <laughs> like on mm-hmm. film, like musical fight being one of them, uh, a zombie giving mm-hmm. uh, an affirming, um, like beautiful speech to a uh, young lesbian teenager with two moms from a different universe. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I, you, you haven't know? seen that before? That's so common. Uh, no, you know, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit repressed, like Stephen. Ha ha ha. I guess. I yeah. guess, yeah. but I think those are our overall uh, deeper thoughts on Doctor Strange after taking those yeah. like couple of weeks to you know just take it in. Um, but we would love to hear what y'all think. Um, hit us up on Instagram, TikTok, all of it. Just let us know what y'all thought of uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Tell Madness. Us. But we got some big stuff to talk about Woo! coming up next. Jay, cue me up. So listen, listen, I'm here scrolling, mm. minding my black ass business, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I see an announcement and I go, Mm-mm. no, that's not real. That's not real. No, that's, that can't be. And it was. And Miguel, when I tell you that, I think my brain broke a little bit because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm scared because then I got more news and I, and I kept being scared. Because this this is the sequence of things that happened. I began watching Doctor Who okay. in college. I want to say my sophomore or junior year. Okay. And fell in love. Became a huge Whovian. No. Because it was such a perfect mixture of um, sci-fi, adventure, scary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Deeply, and this is what was most important to me, deeply emotional stories via a supernatural backdrop. Yeah. Um, like, I could have my heart ripped out and I could be laughing. Now, yes. was it always consistent? No. Were there some episodes where like, this is a little cheesy? Where, talk about bad CGI. Was there some bad CGI in the beginning? Absolutely. Um, but at the core of it, it was these really, really great, mind-bending, heart-wrenching stories that was getting me. And for the first four seasons, I was in love. In love. And then the showrunner, Russell Davies, leaves. And when he leaves, David Tennant mm-hmm. leaves. And, um, you know, right. Stephen Moffat begins his, his rise. And at first I was like, yes. okay, you know, he's written some iconic episodes under Russell. This feels like a good handover. And so we get a new doctor, and it was, it was, it was, it was fine. It was fine. It even did have some emotional moments, but already I felt a distinct shift and lack of emotionality that I had in the Russell years. Um, And then Capaldi. And the writing is just less. And then the companions less. And then Chibnall comes along. And I say, you know what? I'm a Whovian. I'm going to try. And I did not love Broadchurch. It was a little bit of a slow burn for me, but I remember Jody being really good in that, and I was like, I'm going to try for her. And I think I watched uh, maybe the first season, or halfway through the first season, I was like, 
this ain't it. And so mm. I stopped. I yeah. stopped. And then, and then the BBC makes an announcement. Mm-hmm. They go, hey, yeah, so 60 years of Doctor Who, we're bringing back Russell. And I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Not, not my nigga. You bring him back my nigga. And I was like, oh, not my God. Oh, not my God. Not Davies. I was already like, it's a fucking rap. Yo, it's over for you hoes, okay? Yeah. Already I was like, it's lit, okay? And then, like I said the other day, I'm scrolling because, you know, there's a new doctor. And there was no particular reason why that day would be the day to announce the new doctor. Except yeah, because... Right. The new doctor was like at an event, but there was nothing special about the day, so I wasn't expecting it. Right. And here they are Shuti Agatwa, my nigga from Sets Education. Eric from Sets Education is the doctor. And I, my mind broke. I was like, (laughs) but he's so young and and he's so black. He's so black and he's so young. And I was like, as my doctor? Oh my God. God, it, it broke my mind. And then they were like, we're not, we not finna let up on you, nigga. We're not finna let up. Guess who's coming back? Guess who's coming back? David. And let me say this. Let me say mm. this about breaking hearts. Mm. There's a question later that we're going to ask about who my favorite companion is. And it's really tough, but I think it is this character. It's between Donna and Rose. Uh-huh. And what has always broken my heart most about Donna is her ending. I always said Donna grew and changed as a person because of her adventures with the doctor. And when she had to have her memory wiped at the end of it, she reverted as a human being. And that broke my heart. Yeah. She came back to being this like vapid, sallow person. And I was like, no, she was so important and so great to the universe. It broke my heart. And I kept waiting and waiting for it to be undone. And so for these niggas to come and be like, Donna and David are back. I was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> And then they were like, we ain't done, my nigga. We we ain't done. Hit it with it. And they were like, I just watched Heartstopper, which we'll talk about at a later date, because I do have some thoughts. And they were like, we're going to cast our first ever black trans companion. We got a trans woman as a companion. And I was like, what? <laughs> Two black people? <laughs> Two black people in this show? Two? Yes. Yes, two. And they're both so young. Yes. And they and, the Miguel, mm. they took it a step further. Oh, my God. It's still not over. Uh-huh. They go, and you know who we going to cast her as? Her name shall be Rose Tyler. And I was like, Excuse what, me? what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? And so, you know, I'm over here undid, undone, dead. And then I see unsung heroes, sometimes the companion families, they could be annoying, right? Like, True. fuck Mickey Smith. So annoying. Oh, um, like, Clara and Guy. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, sorry that you're dead, but who cares? Um, but you know who I always loved was Donna's granddad. That nigga could make me cry. Oh, oh my. When oh, he, he would cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. De- Not him being casted on set two with a wheelchair. And I'm just like, yep. I don't know. Yeah. What y'all are doing to me? But, like, I literally, I I can't. So, yeah. Doctor Who is back, y'all. I don't even know what the fuck Russell is doing, and I trust him. He has already won. Already give him the awards. I don't know what his mind is doing, but it's, it's, it's doing well. So, how did this news land for you, Miguel? I mean, I was 
so like I I think I think I I sent like twenty text messages with just like the headline yeah. and the picture and being yeah. like, do you understand what this means? Like, do you actually understand what this means? This is crazy. Like, this is insane. Um, no, I. So uh, my Doctor Who background is actually pretty similar to yours. I didn't watch Doctor Who until uh, college. And then um, that was because uh, we a couple of people were, were watching Doctor Who and I was just like, I didn't understand. Like I didn't, I didn't. Mm. So, and I like to always understand and start from scratch. Uh, so sure. I went back and I watched some old, old episodes like before the 2005 reboot. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow. This is really interesting. But then I was like, I should probably just start with the 2005 reboot <laughs> and, and, and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. start with the, the ninth doctor. Sucked in. There's just so much. There's yeah. just so much to it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you already said all of it. Like it's it, emotional stories, uh, uh, science fiction, supernatural, fantasy backdrop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the. I, lo- I just love Doctor Who. I, I, um, and I uh, watched uh, Eccleston. I watched Tenet. Uh, I watched all of Matt Smith, and I watched a little bit of Capaldi. And then I just kind of. That came off. Honestly, from mm-hmm. Matt Smith on, once Stephen Moffat had it, it just wasn't the same. And uh, just, just like you said, Stephen Moffat wrote some of the best episodes of the first uh, mm-hmm. uh, four seasons of the uh, Doctor Who reboot, like hands down. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe some like J.J. Abrams syndrome, like you can do like one thing well, but like you can't do the whole bit yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a stroke of casting genius. Like he's gonna be, yeah. He's gonna be so gregarious. He's gonna be so. Oh, I'm just so excited to see what he's gonna do with the character. He's he is such yeah. a talented actor. So talented. like every single time he is on the screen in Sex Education, he steals that mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm really excited. Um. You know, and he he was the last audition. They said really? we had someone else. Really? Oh, you didn't? Yeah, Russell said we chose someone else, and then he came in, and it was just his. We had to give it to him. And he even shared the audition tape with Stephen Russell. He was just like, Stephen, come look at this. Uh, and Stephen was just like, I saw the tape, y'all. <laughs> y'all ain't for a fucking treat, man. Like I saw the tape. Like damn. God damn. No, yo. Wow. All right. I, I gotta get up on all this little bit, but I'm 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 definitely gonna go and uh, I'm gonna do a whole rewatch. I think, um, and yeah. and go through Capaldi and uh, give Jody her due, um, because uh, I want to be up on all the lore again and just be in it. Um, yeah, Jody has a very controversial storyline. Her doctor. Um, I'll just say what it is. I won't spoil what it means. It's called the Timeless Child that has really big implications for Doctor Who. Mm. Um, and one of, I, 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 I do think that I agree with the, um, my one issue with Doctor Who has always been, it's too obsessed with its own history. Sure. Um, in, in like two specific ways. I would love it to see like, cause yeah, if you've been around for 60 years, I, I think hallmarks to the past are great so that it feels connected. But I was really annoyed with its obsession of like 
Daleks and Cybermen. I'm like, right, he's right. very specific. The Master. I'm just like, show me other Time Lords. Show me other villains. Um, and so that's kind of wrapped up in this one. Um, but one really interesting storyline that came out was during Jody's time, she met a version of the Doctor that she hadn't been before. Right. But that Doctor also didn't know her. And so it was like, how could that happen? Because one of them has to be the other's beginning. Right. Um, and I will say that literally in the, the two episodes, I, the one episode that I met that new doctor, she immediately became my favorite doctor. And, mm. I, and I love the doctor I'm going to share. But in that one episode, the range that she showed as an actress, um, if she had gotten the announcement, that's I, I would have loved it. But I really want that doctor to meet our doctor uh, uh, because just just brilliant, just brilliant. So speaking of doctors, who is your favorite doctor? Who's your fave? Who is my doctor? Um, I, this is probably not a popular pick, but um, I love Eccleston. I, I knew you were going to say that. that for, well, okay, maybe it was predictable to you, Jay. <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed his darkness. I enjoyed his... Mm. Um, how he uh, was so like out of hope, but still willing to believe. Um, mm-hmm. Like the the I think my, my favorite episode of his is the Doctor dances because it's this moment oh, where he's just one. classic. Yeah, because he's just so like, oh my god, we won and no one died and everything was fine and we like yeah. like it was actually a good time and you could see that he hadn't had a win like that in like yeah. his recent. And memory anywhere near right um i i I love eccleston um and i think there are pieces of eccleston um that inform all of my favorite doctors going forward and the the folks Mm -hmm. that don't have that gravitas um or don't show Mm -hmm. it all the time uh don't really fit for me because i i do think at the end of the Mm -hmm. day the doctor is a deeply 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 broken person <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah um at least the the, yeah. the, the the rebooted doctor that we got that's lost all of his people um and mm-hmm. i think if you if you don't have that at the core of the character it doesn't really work for me yeah but no i agree i really appreciated eccleson's doctor i thought that sometimes uh, no i'm not gonna shut on him i my favorite doctor is a little bit more basic, and it's David Tennant. Um, of course. Till the day I do it! Uh, because I thought that he had a really good blend of having healed to some degree from the pain that defined the Ninth Doctor. Yeah. Um, he has no shade to David Tennant. He's not necessarily an attractive man, but he has what? a swag about him. <laughs> I know, but this is this is the point. He has a swag and an energy about him that somehow, like, yeah, he turns into this charisma that ha- makes him have an appeal. But if you just like look on paper, it don't make sense. Um, but sure. that doctor has swag. That doctor feels a little black to me. You know what I mean? He mm. had a little bit of a little black one one time, <laughs> and um, but then his capacity to be the nerdy kooky. Yet also still swag. I remember when he said he cut off that nigga's hand. It was just like one chance. <laughs> I give I give one chance. I'm not gonna say it again. Yes, I might be a pacifist, but I I gave you that chance. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do that again. I was like, oh, my. Mm-hmm. And then the times where that doctor goes dark, my friend Jamise, her favorite, favorite, oh, favorite, family favorite, of blood. favorite I already know what you're going to say. It's family of blood. <laughs> you know, she loves when that nigga just loses his mind. Mine is uh, Waters of Mars for kind of the same reason. Yeah. Like, he does an unhinged time lord really well. Like, the yeah. power of... I am a lord of time. Yes. I will not be fucked with. Um, he does really, really well, which is always, again, in stark, such stark contrast to his really just friendly, everyday, like, cool guy. Um, so I really loved the range that he gave. I thought, you know, Matt was, Matt was a good doctor, but I think it was just sometimes too comedic for me. Um, so, yeah, that's why David was my favorite. Now, who's your least favorite doctor? Um, out of the the new guard. Um, so right, it's the what, options five? are Eccleston, Bennett, Smith, uh, Capaldi, and Jody, and Jody. Yeah. yeah, what's Jody's last name? I almost said Foster. Whitaker, Whitaker, Turner, Whitaker, Whitaker, Jody Whitaker. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Whitaker. Um, it's either it's a tie between Matt Smith and Capaldi. Um, Interesting, and I I can't say anything to Jody uh, to Jody Whitaker's mm-hmm. doctor because I haven't seen any any mm-hmm. of it yet. Um, mm-hmm. I Peter Peter Capaldi is an excellent actor. He's a, he's an amazing mm-hmm. actor, and he actually was a character in uh, Torchwood, one of the stars Tor- Torchwood specials, and um, like like a not oh, and he was in a Doctor Who episode too. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think he uh, in Rome, I think right. Um, or, the Pompeii, Pompeii, one, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he's always excellent, uh, but I, 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 his doctor just didn't feel right to me. Matt Smith's doctor felt like the show is going back towards its, we, we want to teach children how to be good people roots, which mm-hmm. I understand, mm-hmm. but is not for me because I am not a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, right. and it's, it's least favorite. It's not bad. Like none of them are bad. Right. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed, um, Matt Smith as as the doctor. In fact, mm-hmm. the whole reason I started watching Doctor Who is because I was in my boy. Uh, 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 I think it, hmm. I was in someone's dorm room. I, I forget your boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was in someone's dorm room and they were watching mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Who, and it was this crazy Matt Smith episode, and I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Which episode? Um. Oh jeez. Uh, oh no, it was um, it was a, uh, a Weeping Angels episode. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. Um, the one that where they they've time traveled, the time travel Weeping Angels ones. I I, I forget honestly, but it's okay. It's a, okay. a Matt Smith Weeping Angels Angels one. I think there's only two um uh, of, of, of those episodes, um, oh. and. Uh, the 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 horror of it all, the the kind of campiness, but also like the amount of like mm-hmm. seriousness that the doctor was taking it. Like, uh, I think he he was like, I think yeah. we're I'm gonna have to sacrifice myself to make this happen or something like that. And I was like, what is going on? What is yeah. happening here? Um, so then that's when I went back for uh, for Eccleston. Who is your uh, least favorite doctor? I think I have to say Matt. Yeah. Um, what I appreciated about Peter. 
Peter kind of was a curmudgeon. He didn't like people. And I was like, I like this in my doctor. <laughs> he was a doctor who's like, y'all niggas. And I was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I liked that as opposed to like what I, and again, like you said, it's not that he was bad. I think what I did appreciate about Matt's doctor was he loathed himself. He really did. Christopher was defined by his guilt. David had the swag and the self-righteousness and the ego. Matt was full of, like, childlike wonder, but also self-loathing. Yes. And I really did appreciate that um, that balance. Um, actually, no, I'm going to take it back. I'm about to say Jody's. And I'm going to say Jody because <laughs> I see a lot of the same childlike wonder. Wonder. She has this high energy, kind of very frenetic, but I've not really seen the show push her to a darker, more emotional place. Mm. And so I guess I haven't seen the range that I would like to see in a doctor from her. Um, but again, one that we know that she's capable of. Now, here's the real question. Mm. Who's your favorite companion? I will allow... Never mind, I'll be mean. Who's your favorite companion? Just one. Martha Jones. Martha. Oh, oh. I love Martha, but that's not a usual number one answer. Why Martha? Because Martha is a fucking badass. And Martha doesn't take Mm -hmm. his shit. Um, Martha Mm. is all up in racist pastimes and is letting people know that she is a doctor. Um, like mm-hmm. I always just really appreciated Martha's presence, like not because like in comparison to Rose, Rose was always super resourceful and like able to like get it done. Right. But Martha mm-hmm. just had a different like technocratic way of like solving problems because she was yeah. like kind of sh- more sure of herself and accomplished in her own right. Yeah. At, like at, at a different point mm-hmm. of her life. Right. So mm-hmm. like, like Tenant and Rose, like with Tenant with Rose, I was like, isn't my favorite time in Doctor Who? Um, mm. But Tenant with Martha and Tenant with Donna are like peak Doctor Who for me. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I just love Martha Jones. And uh, Freema Agayam, the actress that plays her, is just like awesome. And she's mm-hmm. like in all these other mm-hmm. things. Like, I was really happy to see that mm-hmm. she was in Sense 8. I was, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, she's always just seemed like a really cool, like, LGBTQ mm-hmm. ally. So I really just appreciate her mm-hmm. as an actress. Um, who is your yeah. uh, favorite companion? I love, I have to say, I love the three original companions uh, of the reboot. I love Donna, Martha, and Rose. Um, I I think, like I said, I think Rose is in so many ways... She's designed to be a surrogate, right, for the audience right. of just like right. we're relearning this series, we're relearning the show. We need to have a character that represents this audience and like can learn that way, and also should just be someone off the street. You know what I mean? And Rose really represented that it could be any of us, and she was not especially smart. She wasn't especially anything. She was just a girl, and she was brilliant, and she was helpful, yeah. and she was necessary, and she fell in love. Yes, and Billy fucking piper as an actress oh i have watched her so much since then and i just she gives me chills sometimes with just like how 
fucking brilliant she is. And you don't expect it because yeah. she just looks like some girl off the street. Well, but she's I mean, like, she's no, a no, pop no, star. no, no, she's I'm a, a master Spears. of the craft. She's Britney Spears. She was a whole pop star. Yeah. <laughs> a whole pop star. But Billy Piper didn't come to fucking play. I say all that and I still have to say what I'm going to cheat a little bit. Mm. Technically, River. River is an icon. River is not technically a companion. Mm -hmm. She's somewhere in between Doctor and Companion. And River Song will always be that bitch. Okay? I love River Song. Um, But if we're going strictly companion, it has to be Donna. Because I feel like, again, we saw the growth from her. I think, you know, Donna um, and Catherine Tate in general... Oh, I have a Catherine Tate story to tell in a second. Mm. She is a a comedic actress. And so... Around the time that I watched Doctor Who, her show, the Catherine Tate show, was on Netflix, and I just loved her as a comedian. And to then watch her range as a dramatic actress in some of those episodes um, broke my heart. And what I remember Donna for was like catching small details and just really being a friend to the Doctor. They weren't trying to fuck. They had no nothing, Mm -hmm. but they were like best friends and she was growing into someone who was more compassionate and empathetic um and kind of bringing that out in the doctor as well who had been through these losses right um and again her her loss just it 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 ripped out my heart and so i'm very excited to see how they bring it back so Catherine tate's story uh 2019 i think it was 2019 could have been 2018 i think it's 2019 i was meeting with a friend of mine from the art at uh in cambridge and um, it was in a coffee shop around the corner for my job. And so we're talking and in walks Catherine Tate into the coffee shop. What? And I, right, I just I, I was talking to the person and I go. Uh, uh, and like my mind couldn't compute. I was like, why is this happening? Like and Catherine is in and she like looks around. She's clearly trying to find some place. And then she leaves again. And I was just like, uh, what just happened? And literally, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I need a moment because literally my brain broke because I'm just like, why is she here in Boston in this random ass coffee shop? Come to find out, it was around the time of a Comic Con and she was at the con. Yeah. So it made sense there. But Miguel, I tell you, I almost died. I was just, I literally was just like, this is. It's too random. If this were, if I was expecting her in a place where celebrities will be, I don't think I would have had that reaction. Sure. But yeah. I was literally starstruck. I was just starstruck because it like in a fucking in a fucking coffee shop. Um, now who's your least favorite companion? Um, Nikki. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah that's, easy. That, that's an Fuck easy that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's just so let's not even count him, because I don't think people even count him <laughs> as uh, as a companion. I guess. Oh, I will say, for them to put Martha with that nigga at oh the end, I was just like, why? Because they black? Exactly. Because they black? Russell, mm-hmm. you have, no. uh, like, I, 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 I know yeah. it's, been, it's been a while. Like, I need you to be better on those issues, bro. Uh, and, like, Mickey's just the kind of the worst. From the out of the main companions... Dude, I I don't I love all of them. Like Rose is so is everything you said. Like Rose is just like a a, a beautiful person and like someone who shows resilience. Uh, Martha, I've already gushed about Donna, um, her, how she grows out of uh, the the vapid person that she was and the devastating going back to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I guess I wasn't a fan of Claire. Um, 
Clara. Clara. Yeah, see, see, exactly. I can't even, I can't even remember homegirl's can't name. Can't even get her name. I'm like, <laughs> damn. Can't even think about you, girl. You don't even know what your name is. Okay, I'll, I'll switch my answer to Claire. <laughs> Clara. I, I understand. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, Yourself? I, I think Clara, too. I think Clara, too. Only because one thing that Stephen did that I did and didn't like sometimes is he he had this bent towards making these characters larger than life and very epic. And he kept giving them like bigness. And when I say that, I mean like you would see on a wrestle, not a wrestle on a, on a Steven monologue from like the doctors. I'm the doctor. I'm a thousand years old. I've burned sons. I've sneezed the cosmos out. I've saved more people with this finger than have existed. Right. It's like this big braggadocious bigness. Mm -hmm. And with Clara, I remember when he, like, she she jumped into something to save the doctor. And she, I think she jumped into his time stream. That's what it was. Yeah, She yeah, jumped yeah. into his personal time stream. And copies of herself were flung throughout every version of himself. And then, so, like, so she is a companion who popped up in every life of his. And she was the one who told him to pick the TARDIS that he picked. And all this stuff. And I was just like, it's too much. Like, yeah. It's too much. Yeah. And we never really felt her purpose. You know what I mean? It was just like, I don't understand the purpose of Clara. I think, you know, Amy and Rory were a family for the doctor in a way right. that I don't think he ever had before. And we talked about Donna and Martha and Rose. And with Clara, it was like, and it, so yeah, she was like a friend and a companion in the way. She knew his name. I remember that. She like saw his real name, the one that we've never known. It's like, right? it's like, too much. Yeah. It's too much. So, yeah, it's, it's Clara for me. I want to reiterate how excited I am um, Yes, for Russell to come back. And so he did an interview in the Radio Times, uh, and he said when he was remembering his first run at Doctor Who, he says, quote, I was in the middle of running an empire, and my God, I did that 10 years too soon, didn't I? He was referring to the time when Doctor Who had expanded into a shared universe, including two popular spinoffs, the Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood. He says now, quote, there should be a Doctor Who channel now. You look at these Disney announcements, all of these new Star Wars and Marvel shows, you think, we should be sitting here announcing the Nissa Adventures or the return of Donna Noble, and you should have the 10th and 11 Doctors together in a 10-part series. Genuinely. And I'm just like... Yes. This nigga gets it. <laughs> yes. This nigga gets it. And he's always got it. And this is why the man single-handedly brought back a dead thing, gave it brilliant new life, and just it should he's the Feige. Which it leads me to the DC thing again when I said a long time ago mm-hmm. they need a Feige. Sometimes you just need a visionary who can see what is capable for the whole thing. And Marvel has that. Doctor Who's getting daddy back. Maybe DC is gonna have one too. Um, but yes, I'm I'm just I'm just so excited. I am so genuinely excited to become a Whovian again. If I'm being honest, and I, I, I'm just uh, my chest hurts, and I'm kind of overwhelmed by all the good that I feel towards what's happening. I just feels like it's a correcting of the ship, and it feels like if I could have a perfect tailor-made like rollout for the new Doctor Who. Mm. It's everything that's happening. It yeah. just feels so right. I, I, I couldn't come up with a better 
Like who who is it gonna be? Yeah, Idris Elba. No, like I I, I don't. Right. Yeah, like fuck that. No, this is perfect. That like I am I'm I'm also extremely excited. Um and yeah, yeah you said it perfectly. Excited to become a Whovian again. Yeah, man. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with uh, You Should Be Watching. You Should Be Watching. What what should we be watching, Miguel? What are you watching? What should we be watching? Well, I think we have a joint one uh, this week because we're we do we're, we're both watching a series to not together but at the same time, which is actually quite rare. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all, mm-hmm. Spy Family, Spy Family, Spy Family is just way better than it has any right to be. <laughs> oh man. Um, Jay, you want to give a, a, a quick little mini synopsis on, 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 on Spy Family? Sure. So um, a spy, one of the top spies in this fake country, uh, has been giving, given a new assignment um, and uh, that's related to this private boarding school. Um, that has a lot of ties to the rich and the wealthy and the politically aligned. Um, and so uh, his assignment is that he needs to um, find a child to go into that school so he could have a cover um, to learn more about these secrets and to report on the company. Uh, but the school is kind of archaic and super traditional in some ways. And so um, they have to apply to get in and interview to get in. And part of that means that they have to showcase a strong family unit, meaning that he's also going to need to have a wife. And so he needs to find and create a fake family with a child and some random woman. And the child he happens to find um, is a telepathic orphan. Of course. And the the wife he finds, <laughs> because of course, and the wife he finds is an assassin. Um, but the only person who knows this is the telepathic orphan. <laughs> so he does not know that his, his his fake daughter is a telepath, nor that his fake wife is an assassin. The assassin doesn't know that he's a spy, nor that the daughter is a telepath. But the telepath daughter sees it all, wants the world to burn in a, like, a really cute way, because she just wants to be excited. And um, they, it's a really great story of a little bit of slice of life. There's still some really cool action and violence. Um, but you're also watching this family that's fake turn into a real family in real time. And I don't even think they're being honest with each other about how they feel with each other yet. And we're only like five episodes in. Yeah. So watching this family become a family, um, it's like comedic and weird, uh, but again, actiony and good. Uh, it knows kind of what it is, uh, which we'll talk about more in a second, Miguel. But I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the, one of the reasons that I think I love anime and I think people gravitate towards it are gravitating towards it now is that it can take the literal most ridiculous most ridiculous um, yeah. premises and still make you feel something on the other end of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's honestly a lot of the media that we're, we talk about on the show, right? Like Dr. Strange. Yeah. There was a moment at the end where like, again, zombie strange was, was giving a, a, pep, a pep talk that was actually touching and emotionally uh, uh, right and had gravitas. And it was ridiculous because it was a zombie yeah. saying it who had a cloak of ghosts. So like, you know, and like the suspension of disbelief of these different um, like premises and things that are happening in these properties 
uh, allow you to be open to the feelings that come along with these characters as well. So mm-hmm. another example of this is Assassination Classroom. Mm. Um, oh my God. Like, yo, it's legit. Most ridiculous premise of, of, of any show I've ever seen. Yeah. I cried like a baby at the last episode. Like, yeah, I almost stopped a few times. I'm like, this is stupid. And then like, a bitch baby I was at the end of it. Full uh, it, bitch baby. Right, exactly. So Spy Family is like shaping up to be that um, uh, in a really it, – you, it knows exactly what it is. It's not trying to be anything else other than silly, funny, yeah. action, comedy, and uh, hitching the feels a little bit with these uh, fundamentally broken people coming together to create uh, yeah. to, to, to complete themselves. So – um, it's just trying to live its best character-driven family drama with a supernatural backdrop life. He said it. He said it again. Yep. Nope. <laughs> sure did. Yeah. Lastly, uh, I'm really enjoying a K-drama. It's called Again My Life. Um, basically, a prosecutor who for some reason knows amazing kung fu and is a really great fighter. Um, he's young, he's brash, he's arrogant, and he wants to bring down this corrupt politician who holds basically all of Korea in the palm of his hands. Um, but to the people, they love him. They think he's great. They think he's clean. Um, but he literally has everyone in power's balls in his hands um, and will kill people, do all of it. And so um, this prosecutor builds up a case against him and is ready to take him down and is murdered before he can do so. Wow. But as he is falling off the building that he's been pushed out of, pushed off of and he's also been drugged up with a lethal mix of some drugs and lost this kung fu fight to the murderer um the grim reaper says if you had a chance to go back what would you do would you Mm. bring him down and he says he would and so he gets sent back in time to maybe 10 or 15 years earlier in his life and he gets to use all of that time to figure out a better way to take this man down and so it's this really great game of like politics and mystery and police and it's like game of thrones and there's just a lot of savvy and back and forth and manipulation and and all this stuff and it's just really great i i gasp sometimes at the the twists and turns and it gets into some shit and i really enjoy it i really enjoy it and it's really great so i think you guys will like it it's called again my life hell yeah that's you should be watching you should be watching and this is the end of the podcast. Uh, we hope Woo. you have enjoyed uh, this episode of Play Black. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, do all that good stuff that helps us in the algorithms. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Play Black, Play Black Podcast. I still can't say the goddamn name. I still can't say the name. Okay. One day. Um, one day. One day. I'll be able. To, I'll be able to say it. Uh, TikTok. We, we out here. We out here. Uh, I, I was up on the Doctor Who news on TikTok as soon <laughs> as it came out. So Paula was there for the quick takes for sure. And, uh, you know, tell us about how much you love the show and tell Jay how you would take care of him of him as his doctor. Oh, doctor, you finna bathe me, doctor? Take my temperature. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see y'all here soon. Peace. Bye.